theft of tax dollars that should have gone to those people desperately in need of emotional health care. Red Apple Media is proud to celebrate 100 years as one of America's most influential radio stations and New York's first. WABC. WLIRFM Hampton Bays. From around the world to around the block, this is a WABC 77 Second News Update. Good afternoon. I'm Jacqueline Carl. It's 4 p.m. and 29 degrees outside the 77 WABC Midtown Manhattan studios. President Biden tweeted today, Jill and I are saddened to hear two NYPD officers were shot last night, one fatally. We're keeping them and their families in our prayers. The president went on to say he's grateful for their extraordinary sacrifice. The officer who died is 22-year-old Jason Rivera. The suspect, LaShawn McNeil, was shot and is hospitalized in critical condition. Sources told the Post today McNeil shows no sign of brain activity. And you can bet on New York when it comes to betting. The Big Apple's newly legal mobile betting took in more than $600 million in the first two weeks of 2022. Double that to complete the full month, and we're talking over $1.2 billion. That beats even the best months of New Jersey's nation-leading sports betting market ever. For more on this, go to WABCRadio.com. A decommissioned Staten Island ferry was bought by Saturday Night Live cast members Pete Davidson and Colin Jost for just a over $280,000. It's reported they plan on turning it into a restaurant and comedy club. Mayor Adams tweeted, I love this idea. Governor Hochul signed a bill Friday allowing New Yorkers to vote by absentee ballot through the rest of 2022. The extension was granted to safeguard people from catching COVID at polling sites. The weather brought to you by the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. It'll be sunny and cold today, high 29. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 22. Sunday, partly sunny, highs in the low 30s. From the 77 WA ABC Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's 29 degrees. I'm Jacqueline Carl. Traffic and transit is next. And remember, the news never stops at WABCRadio.com. Up next, the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. The following is a paid program. The views expressed by the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily those of 77 WABC and Red Apple Media. <laughs> WABC Traffic and Transit. Stop and go traffic eastbound Bell Parkway at Knapp Street, exit 9. It goes all the way back to exit 8. That because of a crash just cleared. And then Cross Bronx Expressway on the southbound side between White Plains Road and 3rd Avenue, exit 3. Just hit the brakes all the way through. An earlier incident cleared there as well. Alternate side is in effect for today. And I'm Jacqueline Carl with your 77 WABC Traffic Update. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Come join the Joan Hamburg Show every Sunday starting at 2 o'clock. We bring you the best guests, the best information, whether it's where to eat, what to buy, or how to take care of your health. Remember, Sundays, 2 o'clock, the Joan Hamburg Show. Joan Hamburg, Sundays at 2 p.m. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. I, I hope all of you are staying warm and safe. And this week, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy was sworn in for his second term in his inaugural address. The governor extolled the virtues of the New Jersey dream, but he said that 
the American dream uh, like the one that propelled him from from lower middle class to the governorship. He said it might be out of reach for many New Jersey families today. Uh, a swing of about 42,000 votes in the last election. Uh, it wouldn't have been Governor Murphy's inauguration this week. It would have been Republican Jack Chitterelli, who was sworn in as the governor of New Jersey. Uh, but the notion of a Chitterelli governorship is not over because in November he announced that he would run for governor again in 2025. So that race, it's got two announced candidates already. Former state Senate President Steve Sweeney, a Democrat, has also publicly declared uh, his intent to run in 2025. That 2025, and that's that's when Phil Murphy is term limited. Jack Chitterelli is going to join me today, right here on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. I'm going to ask him about. Uh, Murphy's inaugural address and, and what direction he thinks New Jersey ought to be taking. Uh, that's coming up at 418. You're not going to want to miss what Chitterelli has to say. And later, I'll be joined by State Senator, now two-term Democratic State Senator Vin Gopal. He's the Senate Majority Conference Leader, the new chairman of the Senate Education Committee. Uh, and don't miss my interview with Monmouth County Commissioner Sue Kiley who this week became a candidate for the Republican nomination for Congress in New Jersey. She wants to take on Frank Pallone. He is an 18-term incumbent, and he's the chairman of of the incredibly powerful House Education and Commerce Committee. I mean, so far, 66 Democrats and Republicans are seeking 12 congressional seats in New Jersey this year as we approach an April filing deadline and a June primary, and... And here we are again, back to another week where I have more to tell you about redistricting, the drawing of new congressional and legislative districts for the next decade. Uh, And let's make something clear. Gerrymandering is a thing. It's real. I mean, stop the presses. Politicians manipulate the drawing of districts that affect which party controls government. There is no disputing that. But what's become increasingly a legitimate topic of discussion in New Jersey this week is whether judges and university professors are co-conspirators in this gerrymandering scam. Uh, This week, the New Jersey Globe discovered some startling information about a man you've probably never heard of. His name is Sam Wang. He is a neuroscience professor at Princeton University, and he runs a group called the Princeton Gerrymandering Project. And Wang likes to go all over the country grading other states on the political fairness of their maps. And, and that's fine. There's, there's always room for, for amateurs trying to become relevant. But it's Wang's role with redistricting in New Jersey that's getting a lot of attention. So, so here's the deal. For decades, the tiebreaker for redistricting in New Jersey has been a court-appointed, uh, usually a, a political science professor, but professors, some say, have tweeted their way out of contention, is, and it's an independent tiebreaker over the last decade. Uh, this time, both parties wanted to use retired judges. They thought they'd get a fairer map that way. And the two candidates for congressional tiebreaker were both judges. Uh, the chief justice of the New Jersey Supreme Court, he appeared to agree with this idea, so he named a former appellate court judge, Philip Karchman, is the legislative tiebreaker. But still, Wang and his team have found a way to slither under some back door and get appointed as the advisors to not one, but two independent tiebreakers. Karchman, 
and John Wallace. He's the ex-Supreme Court justice who handled congressional redistricting. Uh, this is David Wildstein. I'm talking about redistricting on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, there's some problems with Wang. Uh, one is that he claims to be an unaffiliated voter. That's someone who's neither a Democrat nor a Republican, but that's not true. A, a check with the Mercer County Board of Elections and on public records has debunked what, what, what I think is a, is a fairly deceptive claim. So, so get this. Sam Wang, self-proclaimed independent, has voted in nine of the last ten primary elections. Eight of those nines were, nine were in Democratic primaries. Uh, and, and here's what's, what's too cute by a half in what Wang's doing. He votes in a primary then he switches back to unaffiliated until the next primary and claims he's not affiliated with a political party. That, everybody, is just hugely disingenuous. But here's the part that I find more than a little disturbing. Wang's group, the Princeton Gerrymandering Project, is being financed by some of the biggest Democratic donors in the country. And as I've said before, I don't care whether they pick the Democratic or the Republican map, but my job is sort of to watch the process and make sure it's fair. And, and I want to give you an, some examples. According to the Princeton website, one of Sam Wang's biggest funders is a group called the Simons Foundation. That is headed by a, a, a Manhattan hedge funder named James Simons and his wife Marilyn. Together, they have contributed $180 million to Democratic candidates, including candidates for Congress in New Jersey. Uh, and wait, there's, there's more. The Princeton Gerrymandering Project only lists three of their donors on their website. All three are huge contributors to the Democratic Party. All three have contributed to New Jersey Democrats. But Princeton University has declined my request to see a list of Sam Wang's contributors. So, so here's Sam Wang serving as the staffer to the independent tiebreakers. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry if it, my 49 years in New Jersey politics, I'm still displaying a, a, little, uh, a little bit of naivete, but my assumption was that the independent tiebreaker wouldn't bring on a staffer funded by one party to decide which party's map they're going to pick. Now, now this part is incredible. I don't know how Sam Wang and the Princeton Gerrymandering Project got in the room in the first place. Wang announced his own appointment as the advisor to both legislative tiebreakers from his personal Twitter account. The two judges who are tiebreakers haven't said a word about how he got there. Uh, I asked Judge Carmen, uh, Karchman for comment. Uh, he very politely declined, said he wasn't going to speak about it. Uh, what I'd really like is some amplification of the process the two judges used to hire Wang. We don't know who made the introduction. Uh, we aren't sure if other academics were considered. We haven't been told if the taxpayers are footing the bill for the Princeton gerrymandering project or whether they're getting paid just by the Democratic funders. So right now, uh, it's it's... It's like New Jersey's return to 2019, and we're once again sitting there trying to figure out who hired Al Alvarez. When you have a partisan in the room helping the independent tiebreaker decide which party gets to hold congressional and state senate and state assembly seats, uh, at least please amplify the circumstances of 
Sam Wang's hiring. It'd be good to know if Wang and the Princeton Gerrymandering Project at least disclosed their donors to the two tiebreakers. I mean, Princeton University is keeping them a secret. I, I don't know why, uh, but in a way, this is this is a, a form of dark money, isn't it? I mean, and we'd like to know, and I think all of you would like to know too, whether the independent tiebreakers considered any conflict with Princeton University. I mean, after all, there's two incumbent state legislators who work for Princeton University whose political careers, their futures might depend on the new map. So so get this. I did a simple search of the Federal Election Commission website, and here's what I found. Maybe it'll startle you. Maybe it won't. Maybe you'll just say, oh, you know, it's exactly what I thought it would be. 536 campaign contributions from Princeton University employees totaling $655,000, $655,000 were made to the four New Jersey House Democrats whose districts were most vulnerable in the midterm elections. Andy Kim, Tom Malinowski, Josh Gottheimer, Mikey Sherrill. And, and to be fair, some Princeton faculty members went to the Republicans during that same time period that the 536 contributions were made uh, by Princeton University employees to the four Democratic House members. One Princeton professor is named Stanley Katz. He wrote a $100 check to Republican Congressman Leonard Lance five years ago. So I'll tell you this, everybody. Uh, when these tiebreakers were judges, they'd have disqualified Sam Wang as an expert witness. It, it doesn't smell right. These conflicts taint a process that was designed to be fair. Uh, I will be right back to talk to Republican gubernatorial candidate Jack Chitterelli about Phil Murphy's second term and about his own campaign for governor in 2025. And after that, I'll be joined by Democratic State Senator Vin Gopal. And later, I'll speak with Monmouth County Commissioner Sue Fulton, Sue Kiley, I'm sorry, Sue Kiley, and she's a Republican candidate for Congress against an 18-term incumbent. So please don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss anything. This is David Wildstein. I am the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Every investor wants to find the next big thing. But sometimes, the market can feel like a casino. Maybe it's time to balance your portfolio with real estate. NRIA's real estate investment offerings can help provide you with diversification while we target competitive returns. The secret to our success? NRIA develops in supply-constrained, high-demand neighborhoods. We build where people want to live. We have over 15 years of experience developing townhomes, condominiums, and apartments. We build communities. Think it's time to invest in something with a foundation? Pick up the phone and call 800-800-1414 or visit us at nria.net. That's 800 800- 
800-1414. An offer of securities is only made by the NRIA Private Placement Memorandum. Read it first. Past performance does not guarantee future results. NRIA is a real estate development firm. Learn more at nria.net. Well, he is Greek-American. He's a New Yorker. It's a great American success story. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. He's got plenty of ideas on how to bring change. This Sunday at 8 a.m., it's the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here. Giving you both sides of the story with New York sensibility. This Sunday at 8 a.m., it's the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis on Talk Radio 77. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. So when New Jerseyans went to sleep on election night, it was very possible that they would wake up to find that Jack Cittarelli was going to be their their new governor. Uh, Jack Cittarelli, welcome back to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. You just touched upon a joke I've been saying. When people ask me what I'd do different, I tell them I wouldn't go to sleep because when I went to sleep, I was ahead. <laughs> and you were—I mean, you were last on this show. I guess it was three days before election day. You—you you said it was going to be close, and and it, and it was much closer than than I even admit I thought it was going to be. What's what's your post mortem on that race? History told us it was going to be close, David, and I could just tell from going up and down the state that uh, it was going to be close. I, I go places that Republicans typically don't go, and it was well-received everywhere I went. I really thought we were going to pull off a Tom Kane senior-like win of five or 10,000. Uh, but listen, at the end of the day, uh, am I disappointed? You bet, in the outcome, but not in the effort. We need to make better written inroads. When I say we, I mean Republicans, and I included, in the black and brown communities, and uh, I think we could have done a better job uh, on fighting back on women's issues. And I could have better deployed Diane Allen to do that. As you know, she's a decorated champion when it comes to women's issues. But it's hard to say you didn't run a you, you didn't run a good campaign because you, you 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 almost won. I think there's a look to me like there's a new turnout model, which which was which was a, a, a higher turnout among Republicans than than I thought there would be. Certainly there's a lot of displeasure with all the failures of the Biden administration, but there's also a lot of frustration with Bill Murphy, who's tone deaf and out of touch. And uh, we just kept talking about those kitchen table issues that matter most to New Jerseyans. No surprise, David, when you hear this guy talk now, all of a sudden he uses terms like common sense solutions, kitchen table. He's talking about property taxes. Um, I think the campaign got to him. And at the end of the day, that's a good thing for New Jersey. And I'm speaking with Republican gubernatorial candidate Jack Cittarelli, and I say candidate because you uh, you very quickly announced that you were going to run in 2025. I mean, I I guess in your mind you thought you were running in 2025 anyway. So, so 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 what the heck? But but what made you decide to enter this race so fast? Well, that wasn't my intention at the concession speech. I, I said what I needed. I thought needed to be said at the concession speech. But then the first answer, first question from the press is, Jack, what are your future plans? And I've always played it straight with New Jerseyans, um, and so my intention is to run for governor in 2025. I wish the governor success. I don't want to have 40 more years of New Jersey failures, but I just have this strong sense, David, that come 2024-25, we're still going to have the worst property tax in the nation. We'll still be the worst place in the nation to do business, particularly for small business, and we'll still have a bloated, inefficient special uh, state government that's been corrupted by special interests. And so there's every motivation for me to do this again. 
And I'm sure you watched Governor Murphy's inaugural address. What were your what were your, your takeaways on that? Well, my goodness, listen, you, you expect somebody to kind of wave a victory flag and take a victory lap. But to say that New Jersey is a model for the rest of the nation, and if the rest of the nation wants to know how best to govern, come to New Jersey. My goodness, the worst property tax in the nation, the worst business climate in the nation, lead the nation in nursing home debts. His administration just settled with the families of all the nursing home debts for $53 million. Um, we're still number one in out-migration amongst those uh, at the higher income levels, and they're taking all that capital with them. Um, I just don't see New Jersey as a model in any one of those ways. And Again, it's just him looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. New Jerseyans aren't going to go for that kind of BS. He sounded, uh, Assemblyman, a little uh, Citarelli-esque, though, when he was talking about property taxes. Do you do you think, I mean, you, you said it earlier, you know, at, at, at the start of this interview, uh, you think you had an impact on how Phil Murphy's going to govern the next four years? What I think had impact on Phil Murphy is this guy has lost seats. He lost seats when he ran four years ago, and he lost seats this election in the legislature. And that reflects directly on him. So am I disappointed I lost your bet? But was my campaign a failure? No, it wasn't. The Republicans had the best night in 30 years. And it wasn't just all the legislative wins. It's the wins we had at the local and county level. Heck, I was up at the Passaic County last week, David, where we swore in the first county commissioner in nearly 20 years. So I think that's what's weighing heavily on Phil Murphy. If it gets him to focus on property taxes, then good for New Jersey. We'll find out if that that focus is truly sincere. I mean, I've been watching this, as you know, I've been watching New Jersey politics a long time. It ages me, but this is my, my 49th year. I haven't seen a gubernatorial race off to such a quick start ever. Uh, I mean, and not just you, but Steve Sweeney on the Democratic side. Are we going to see a... Are we going to see a Chitterelli shadow government over the next four years? Well, call it what you may, David, but I'm not going to be shy. I'm going to continue to speak out where I think this this governor isn't doing what he needs to do in terms of what's bothering New Jerseyans. And that certainly means property taxes. It certainly means Main Street. The thing I wish he'd stop doing is stop referring to New Jersey school system as the best in the nation. Okay? 50% of those people that enroll in our community colleges are enrolled in remedial courses. And we're not providing enough vocational training for those kids that don't want to go to college. So we need to stop thinking of ourselves as the best in this and the best in that. There's a lot of room for improvement. And I'll be speaking out on those things. And I'm speaking with Republican gubernatorial candidate Jack Cittarelli. Assemblyman, one of of the things, and I'll just change subjects for a second. I mean, we we, we talked about turnout in your race, but New Jersey's got this this constant uh, election day fever. I mean, we have... You know, we have special school referendums this month, fire commissioner elections on on a Saturday in February, school board elections in April, May elections for mayor and council. Some of these elections get single digit turnouts. Is is that acceptable? Does New Jersey have too many election days? It's not acceptable, David. Those are really important elections. They have impact on the quality of life in our communities and they have impact on property taxes. And it's just nuts the way we're doing things. And I'm sure you've noticed, I've got a regular monthly column now in the Gannett newspapers, David, and my very next column talks about voting reforms and election reporting reforms. We've learned a lot in the last couple of years, and there's room for improvement. So I'll be putting forth a specific uh, proposal list of what we need to do to make the elections better in New Jersey. And I don't think I'm I don't think I'm taking sides here between parties when I say taking two weeks to count votes is is ridiculous. 
Uh, a lot of people agree, even the Star Ledger, and I talked about that in my concession speech. There is a better way, and we need some uniformity. I mean, should we really have 21 county clerks? And it's no reflection on any one of them. We have 21 county clerks in our 21 county counties doing it differently? We really shouldn't. Let's bring some uniformity to the election reporting system and improve the election uh, process. We can do it, and my proposals will be uh, showing us the way. And that would make people more confident in the in the outcome of these elections, wouldn't it? It sure would. And I think that the goal should be to make as many people as confident in the system as possible. Because when we don't, we're actually disenfranchising. And from all the talk from Democrats uh, about wanting to bring uh, restore our democracy and bring integrity to the voting system and restore voting rights, um, there's a lot of improvement right here. I think they've really screwed up the system inadvertently with all the reforms that have put in place over the last four years. But what we have right now is unmanageable. It's unnecessarily expensive to the taxpayers. And it's not engendering confidence in a whole lot of people. So let's fix it. And I'm speaking with Jack Cittarelli. He is uh, he w- was almost governor of New Jersey right now and is is running to become governor again in 2025. Assemblyman, what's your what's your prognosis for New Jersey Republicans for 2022? Well, the, the goal now, the challenge now is to continue on the momentum that we generated with all that positive energy from the campaign all throughout 2021. And so my goal in going around the state is to remind people, hey, the next election is already less than one year away. Let's not rest on our laurels. And this isn't about hyperpartisanship, David. It's about highly competitive elections that lead to a better balance of power. That's good for all New Jerseyans. And uh, I always like to remind Republicans, too, let's not have a war of ideology. Let's have a war of ideas. When we go out there and do battle on the ideas, uh, the party of Lincoln has always fared real well, even here in New Jersey. So that's my goal over the next couple of years. And you'll be campaigning, I assume, for Republican congressional candidates up and down the state? You bet I will. You bet I will. It's an exciting year here in New Jersey. We've got the 12 congressional seats. And um, so I'm looking forward to this year's races. And, you know, I, I, I think back to to you mentioned Tom Kane earlier. Tom Kane, between his his first candidate campaign for governor and, and the one that he won, he, he was a uh, – uh, he went to work for New Jersey Network, and he did he did a lot of commentary there, and he that that allowed him to stay out of the 1980 presidential primary. But you, I don't think you have that luxury. You have any you have any thoughts on who you want the Republican Party to nominate in 2024 uh, for president? Yes. Hey, listen, I, I want somebody that's going to be all about fixing the problems that face the nation with regard to the border. We certainly need an immigration policy. I think we need a go-tough policy still. With You see what's going on in Europe with Ukraine and Russia and what's going on with China and Taiwan. So uh, we need all that. But we also need somebody that's going to be pro-New Jersey. Um, certainly Donald Trump had his policy successes, but there were a number of different issues that really were not good for New Jersey. Elimination of soil production, offshore drilling, lack of support for infrastructure specific to New Jersey, like the Gateway Project. So I'm hoping that we'll have somebody that's Certainly pro-America, but also pro-New Jersey. So are you ruling out supporting Donald Trump for president if he runs again? No, I'll be supporting the person whose policies are not only good for America, but also good for New Jersey. And so I what about Chris Christie? Does Chris Christie have a chance for your endorsement? Uh, I'll be endorsing that person whose policies are pro-America <laughs> and pro-New Jersey, David. And you, you know, Assemblyman, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep asking that question over and over. And I hope, I hope that won't scare you away from coming back on, but... I, I don't think anything does. You didn't, David, and you don't have to worry about scaring me. And, and oh, by the way, 
uh, Mama Bear of the Year in New Jersey says hello. Well, I'm glad, and, and that was that was one of the highlights. And what we're, we're talking about was was a was a horrible attack on on Jack Cittarelli's wife and his family by one of his primary opponents. And 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 again, I hope I don't sound partisan when I say this, but that doesn't have any place in political campaigns. Family needs to be off limits all the time, doesn't it? I agree with you 100 percent. But um, as any mother would, who's a fierce advocate for their children, and all mothers are. He tangled with the wrong mama bear, and she showed him why. She didn't. I'll, I'll take I'll take Melinda Cittarelli in a in a foxhole for a fight any day. <laughs> there you go. Uh, former Assemblyman, Republican candidate for Governor Jack Cittarelli. Thank you for thank you for joining me as always, and I hope you'll be back soon. Looking forward to it, David. Thank you. Thank you, Assemblyman, and I will be right back with State Senator Vin Gopal. So please don't go anywhere. This is David Wildstein. I am the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. RDP Law Group with principal office in Washington, D.C. is responsible for the content of this ad. If you or a loved one is using or used a sleep device, listen closely. Philips brand CPAP, BiPAP, and APAP breathing sleep devices may cause respiratory failure, kidney, lung, liver injuries, blood, lymph node, or thyroid cancer. That's right. These machines have been recalled due to the toxic foam in these devices breaking down into black particles and gas that can be inhaled or swallowed by a CPAP user. Call 800-660-2734 now. As you may be entitled to significant financial compensation. Call our special toll-free number now to see if you qualify. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with lung, kidney, or liver cancer, call 800-660-2734 now. The call is free and phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-660-2734. If you or a loved one used a Philips CPAP device, you may be entitled to significant financial compensation. Call 800-660-2734. 800-660-2734. 800-660-2734. Ever wonder? You throw nickels around like manhole covers. What Curtis Lewa? He's a real mamaluke. Is actually saying? You're a fake, phony, fraudulent fagazi. Listen to Curtis Lewa weekend overnights from midnight to six a.m. Saturday from two to four. Sunday night from nine to one a.m. Don't fold like a cheap camera. Seventy-seven WABC. Oofa. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein, and uh, I'm speaking with Vin Gopal. He was reelected to the New Jersey State Senate in 2021, uh, is now the chairman of the Senate Education Committee. Senator, welcome back. Hey, David. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks, as always, for coming on. Uh, Senator, your reelection was it was it was a little bit of a squeaker on election night. You you went to bed and you were behind. You, you won, won won by close to twenty seven hundred votes. But but the two Democratic Assembly members in your district lost. What happened? Well, look, I think there was a, a number of things that happened. But uh, the top of the ticket, Phil Murphy was absolutely just decimated in the district. He lost uh, by over twenty five hundred votes. 
That's a big difference than four years ago when he won the district by about 2,000 votes. So I think uh, we saw a red wave that, uh, unfortunately for my party, has left me as the only Democratic legislator left between exits 1 and 120 on the parkway. And so what are your lessons learned? You, 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 you prevailed, but it was close. What, do you, what did you walk away from Election Day thinking you were going to do differently? Well, you know, I was fortunate I had over 5,000 voters who voted for Jack Chitterelli and then crossed over to me. So I know there were parts of my message uh, that were clearly effective um, and that allowed allowed me to be successful. Assembly members Downey and Hotelling actually also outperformed Governor Murphy by about 2,500 votes. They just fell short by a few hundred votes. Um, But I think, you know, affordability continues to be the issue mandates uh residents in new jersey are tired of government not fixing all their problems we still have challenges with unemployment we had significant challenges of motor vehicle they're starting to improve i think the residents in new jersey want to see government work for them and and they haven't felt that in the last uh several years Uh, even predating governor murphy to the christie administration they just haven't felt that government has been working one of the things I heard from Democrats, I mean, up and down the state after the election, is that the, the New Jersey, New Jersey ought to be governed from the center, not on every single issue, but on more issues than uh, than had been done over the last four years. Do you do you agree with that? I don't know about it. This is not a left-right-center conversation. I'm proud prime sponsor of the Reproductive Freedom Act. I'm a proud progressive Democrat. But Democrats need to capitalize on government working efficiently, affordability, tackling consolidation, shared services and property taxes, and start talking about uh, uh, kitchen table issues, rise of, of, of gas prices, rise of milk, rise of food costs. Democrats aren't talking about that, and, and I think that's been a huge problem. And I'm speaking with State Senator Vin Gopal. Senator, you 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 saw the governor's state of the state. You heard his uh, inaugural address. What are your takeaways from that? I agree, actually, with uh, Jack Chitterelli, who you just had on. Um, you haven't heard a lot about affordability or property taxes, and I think the closeness of this governor's race probably uh, is going to be a good thing in the sense that I, I hope the governor is going to focus more on affordability. Um, we continue to have the highest property taxes in the country. We continue to have people every day leaving our state, moving to Florida or the Carolinas. It's not affordable for seniors or those on a fixed income. And I'm, I'm happy the governor is going to talk about that. And hopefully with, with the new leadership, Senate President Scutari and uh, reelected Senator, uh, Speaker Coughlin, that we can do some good things together. And you you are you are very close to the new Senate president Nick Scutari. You were you were you were close to to Steve Sweeney. Uh, what is what is what is what do those relationships mean for your constituents? Well, I, I think hopefully a good thing. Uh, Nick Scutari is somebody who actually recruited me to run for the Senate many years ago uh, when I was the county Democratic chair. He actually asked me to run. Uh, he's been a friend way before I was ever a legislator. And I think he's going to be a, a good Senate president. And uh, he's already talking about affordability and making sure government services work properly and efficiently. And I think that's that's going to be good for the state. It's going to be good for the Democratic Party. 
And I'm speaking with Vin Gopal, state senator from Monmouth County. You you are the new chairman of the Senate Education Committee. That's that's one of the most influential panels in, in the New Jersey legislature. What what are your plans uh, to lead that committee? We have a lot of work to do. Uh, Senator Ruiz, who is the majority leader, just did an extraordinary job over the last 12 years, and I have a lot to learn from her and hope, hope to do that. Um, we have real issues in school funding, special education funding, learning loss as a result of COVID-19. Uh, and David, an issue that's really going to start heating up is mental health. We've seen early studies that a, a child even not going to a graduation or prom can have mental health impacts. And as I talk to superintendents and school districts across the state in my first two weeks, uh, they're deeply concerned about mental health in their school districts. And, and I also see reports that, that New Jersey school kids are, are falling behind uh, with, with all the in-home learning. Are you, are you looking at standardized tests to make sure that, that there's a plan to catch everybody up once, once New Jersey gets through the, the, the current uh, situation with the pandemic? Uh, completely, and I'm a big believer and supporter of in-person education. Um, I think some of these standardized tests are problematic. When you haven't had a child in the classroom consistently for the last two years, especially if they're a special needs child or they have other learning difficulties, um, these standardized tests can be overbearing and not necessarily helpful to make sure a child succeeds. So I think we're going to be looking at all these things. I've been talking to the commissioner of education, the acting commissioner, almost on a daily basis now. And and we plan to be very aggressive with working with DOE and all of our partners across the state to try to improve the lives of, uh, of hundreds of thousands of New Jersey children. And Senator, I want to, I want to go back to, to your reelection campaign. I, I think one of the reasons that you, you buck this red wave was, was just old fashioned constituent service and casework and being out there in the community is, is that there's a lot of new people in the New Jersey legislature now. Is that, is that something you would recommend to them that they make a priority as, as they begin their terms? Yeah, absolutely. And I think competitive elections are a healthy thing. The fact that I'm in a district that uh, was represented, by the way, very effectively by, by Senator Jen Beck for years and prior to her, Senator Joe Pelea and, and many others, um, Monmouth County has been a swing district. And I think we, we benefit by that because it, makes the legislators always have to work harder than anything. Um, so it's all about constituent services. Uh, I, I might have a constituent uh, yelling at me about an issue that uh, I don't necessarily agree with, but I'll always show that constituent respect. I'll follow up with them. They have my cell phone number. They have my email. And I made sure they, they truly feel heard, and I try to help when I can. So you, you Senator Gopal, you, you seem to be a little different than a lot of your colleagues. You don't seem to be afraid of voters. Well, uh, I don't know if you should. Voters should be afraid of two things. I'm sorry, politicians should be afraid of two things, right? Voters and money. Those are the two things that <laughs> usually get rid of politicians. Yeah. So you, you were quoting the, the, the great Congressman Bob Frank, so I appreciate that. <laughs> sure. Uh, you're also, and, I, and, and this, this strikes me especially as you're now in your second term, you're, you're still the youngest member of the New Jersey State Senate. Do parties need to do a better job recruiting young candidates? 
Uh, I think so. And, and look, the Democrats had a lot of historical young candidates who were successful, Sadaf Jaffer, uh, many people in the assembly. But I actually looked at the Republicans this year as far as electing more women, more diverse candidates. They elected the first, uh, uh, the only LGBTQ legislator openly down in South Jersey. Um, the Republicans actually did much better on recruitment this year. And I think the Democrats have, a, we just have a lot of work to do. First Asian uh, Pacific Islander in, in District yeah. 8 in, in, in Assembly Manumba. Uh, and, I, and I'm speaking with, with Senator Vin Gopal. I, I have to ask you about congressional redistricting. I, I, think I've, I think I've made my thoughts clear. You were on that panel. Are you, are you comfortable with the process? Yeah, look, I think this was a new process for me and the other commissioners who hadn't served on there before. I believe maybe Mayor Red was the only one who had been on prior. Uh, it was a learning experience, and I'm very comfortable and proud of the map that the Democrats presented, um, especially in Monmouth and Central Jersey. There, there really, David, should have been no reason that there was a congressional district that combined Burlington and Ocean counties. It's two counties that literally have nothing to do with each other. And, and for a congressional district to go from Hamilton all the way down to Lakewood uh, took a lot of communities for the last several decades that had nothing to do with each other. So I, I think we presented a better map than the Republicans, and I'm happy that the uh, tiebreaker saw it that way. Yeah, but what about what about Bass River to Homedale, which which I have I have noticed is is a whole lot of exits in the Garden State Parkway. Isn't isn't that gerrymandering? Well, you're never going to get a district with the population exact to be perfect. But I would argue with you that you take that western part of Monmouth County, Marlboro, Homedale, Freehold, Manalpin. They have a lot more to do with the communities in Burlington County that are more diverse like Willingboro and Mount Laurel, uh, as well as Hamilton and Windsor, then saying Bass River uh, and Willingboro are very similar to Lakewood, Toms River, and Brick. Those are just completely different communities. Do you, do you think that the map that, that the Democrats presented, that Justice Wallace agreed with for, for, for reasons that, that he said were, were just because the Republicans won last time and, and then he liked the proposal better. Do you think that's a gerrymandered map or do you think that's a fair map? I think it's a fair map. I think it's a good map. Um, look, if, if, if we were going to get the Democrats were going to get everything, then they would have made we would have made uh, CD seven significantly better. I think this is a fair map uh, and it, it's going to give a lot of competitive elections around the state. I think even if you look at CD6, Frank Pallone's district, we took those shoreline communities, and they have a lot more to do with each other um, than Marlboro or Middletown or many of those communities that used to be in there. And and I'm speaking with Senator Vin Gopal. I, I ask you this every time you're on. You, you, you're you never answer it, but I have to keep going. Uh, people talk about you running for governor someday. Is that in the cards? I'm blessed to be a state senator, and uh, we have a lot of work to do here in New Jersey. And that's, you know that, David. Monmouth County is a battleground, and that's my focus. It is. It is. And I'm, I guess I'm 0 for 6 in answering that question. So, so Senator, the last time you were on, or, or one of the last times you, you tried to trip me up on a trivia question, uh, can I can I ask you one? 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> and I'm going to keep it local. All I, poli- thought, I thought you were going to give me some more Justice Wallace questions. No, well, you know, I, I can. I can play that clip again <laughs> no, if you'd like. I'm I mean, I'm, 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 I'm fine. I think we're, we're, we're always ready to play it. But, but I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, you, you are uh, a Democrat reelected in Monmouth County. Now, the last time that happened, and I'm not going to make it so easy on you, it was Frank Pallone. Who was the senator before Frank Pallone? Who was the, uh, who was the Democrat before Frank Pallone that won a second term as a Monmouth County senator? So Frank Pallone won you're, re-election. You're pulling out the Red Book right now, aren't Jerry you? Popkin. Nope, Jerry Popkin, 1987. Uh, Rich Van Wagner probably got reelected that same year. All right, and I, I'm, I th- you got it. You got it. So, uh, and, and I assume you didn't pull out the book, that you just knew it. I, I didn't. <laughs> do, you do asked you wanna, me about Ocean County, I wouldn't have got it. Do you, do you want to guess the one before Van Wagner? Oh, I'm, I'm boring everybody that's listening now. You know that. I really am. But. I know, but we're having fun. <laughs> it, was, it was Gene Bedell from, from, from Kingsburg. But. Kingsburg, right. Yeah. Senator Vingo Powell, it is always a pleasure to speak to you, and, and I hope you'll come back on soon and, and, and maybe someday announce your candidacy for governor on this show. I always appreciate the invite. Always appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. And I will be right back with Monmouth County Commissioner Sue Kiley. She is a Republican candidate for Congress this year, so please don't go anywhere. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Come join the Joan Hamburg Show every Sunday starting at 2 o'clock. We bring you the best guests, the best information, whether it's where to eat, what to buy, or how to take care of your health. Remember, Sundays, 2 o'clock, the Joan Hamburg Show. Joan Hamburg, Sundays at 2 p.m., entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The latest news, behind-the-scenes videos. Get it all now. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. The 77 WABC online store. This is Vinny Madunio. Go to WABCRadioStore.com and check out the new 77 WABC merchandise. From t-shirts and hats to jackets and bags, enter the discount code VINNY15. That's V-I-N-N-I-E 15 for a 15% off your purchase at WABCRadioStore.com. There are so many great WABC items. You'll want to go, go, go to WABCRadioStore.com. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Radio 77 WABC. Individual rates, coverage, offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions. Not available in all areas. If you're a small business owner, listen up. Pi Insurance wants to give you one of those aha moments. The kind that could save you money. Workers' comp is probably one of the biggest costs you face. But did you know that insurance providers have flexibility in setting their prices? That's right. But many don't bother giving small businesses the savings you deserve. Instead, you can get lumped in with other businesses and overcharged. Pi Insurance was created to change that. 
With Pi, you get a quote tailored specifically to your business, and you could save up to 30% with no hassle and no hidden fees. And with helpful representatives just a call away, it's easy to understand why Pi is rated excellent by customers on Trustpilot. Take three minutes to see how much you could save with Pi Insurance. Ask your agent for Pi or go to trypi.com. That's T R Y P I E.com. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back, everybody. It's David Wildstein. Uh, Sue Kiley is a former nurse, uh, a mayor, serving her second term as a Monmouth County commissioner. This week, she officially became a candidate for Congress against Frank Pallone, an 18-term incumbent. Commissioner, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it, David. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, Commissioner, Frank Pallone's been a congressman since 1988. Voters in your district seem to like him. Why should... Why should they replace him with you? Um, that's a great question. I, I think it's time. I think that he has lost touch with his constituency here in Monmouth and Middlesex. Um, I think there's horrible things going on in the country that we need to address. And, uh, it, you know, people are getting very frustrated. It's hitting everybody's pocketbooks locally and, and causing a lot of angst. And I'm sure you, you've, been, you've been local politics for a while. I'm sure you know congressman pallone well i mean do you what's your relationship with him been like what what type of criticisms have you leveled at him in the past um you know my relationship with him has been hello congressman how are you good how are you you know we we i can't say we've ever been friends um i have certainly complained to his office about things that i i i think are not happening you know actions that have been promised for a long time that haven't been delivered um, you know, but I, I can't honestly say have, we've been friends. And, and this is a this is a Democratic district commissioner. I mean, much of this district's in Middlesex County. Uh, how how are you going to do this? How are, this is this is not going to be easy going up against Frank Pallone. No, I understand that, and I don't expect it to be easy. Um, you know, I think we are all people with common sense. I would like to think most of us are all people with common sense, whether you're a Republican or whether you're a Democrat. And if you watch where this country is going and the things that are happening in Washington with leaders being Pallone, Pelosi, and, um, and Frank, I mean, I'm sorry, and Joe Biden, you realize that something's got to change. You know, we have all these energy problems, and Frank is responsible for commerce and energy. What does that tell you? I just, I think it's the common sense in the average American in our district that is going to make them make their choices. And I'm speaking with Monmouth County Commissioner Sue Kiley, a candidate for the, the U.S. House of Representatives. One, one question, Commissioner, I, I have to ask you is last week, uh, and, and I'm certain you're aware of this, the state controller issued a report uh, he said that the Monmouth County Board of Commissioners violated a state law uh, in giving raises to yourself and, and to the sheriff, Sean Golden, who happens to be 
the Republican county chair. Was was that report fair in your opinion? Well, first of all, you have to put it in perspective. Um, This event with the salaries was addressed and handled before the new year. Um, there, there literally was a mistake in the way it was done. We went back to a salary we had in 2008. So it wasn't an increase, um, but that's the way it was reported. There are rules in place that are antiquated that have been on the books forever, and this is one of them. And apparently there are about eight counties or so that also followed procedures like we did and didn't realize the, book, the law was in place. So we're going to correct that this week. We made a statement at the uh, reorg, and it will be corrected. And just because just I want to put this in the perspective for people that are listening, what's the annual salary of a Monmouth County commissioner? Thank you for asking. Um, it's $30,000 a year. And this, this I mean, it, it, look, people should understand, and I'm not, I'm not taking sides here, but, but as, as you may know, I was, I was the mayor of a small town 37 years ago, and I was paid 2,500 hours a year, and I easily put 60, 70 hours a week worth of work. This, you don't get rich off these local government jobs, do you? Absolutely not. I, you don't go into it for the money. You go into it because you have a commitment to help your constituents, and, and you do. You work very hard. And my husband teases me, you spend more in gas than you make. <laughs> He's probably right <laughs> because we travel to all the towns, and we try and support everyone as best we can. And, and I'm speaking with congressional candidate Sue Kiley. I mean, Commissioner, you you said in your announcement video uh, that, that you come from a middle-class family. Uh, you were a nurse. You went to, to work in, in health care. Uh, what, what caused you to pull this trigger at this point? You have, you have grandchildren that are, you know, children and grandchildren that are, that are home in Monmouth County. What, what caused you to want to go to Washington? Um, You know, I I decided to go into public service first and foremost after the Superstorm Sandy and just saw the devastation that we felt in our community. It's hard to go back on the—I had a national job. It's hard to leave after that. So I started in the local community. Then I went to the the county. And, you know, uh, I follow your show. We follow Fox. We follow, you know, what's happening in our government. And it just became time that I had to do more. And that weighed heavily into my decision to to run for Congress. Had a lot of discussion with my husband, my children, you know, to make sure that they were all understanding of the time and energy it was going to take. And they were all in and excited. So uh, here we go. And your husband was in law enforcement. I think I, I think I recall you saying in the video that you have you have uh, a son who's in law enforcement. Uh Yep. This has yep. been a this has been a becoming a national issue whether whether police should be funded or defunded or or support for local police officers. How important an issue is that going to be in your race for Congress? Oh, huge, huge. Um, I you know I was my grandfather was an officer. My husband was an officer. He's now a security director at the Freedom Tower. My son is an officer. I have three nephews that are officers. But the thing is, I, there's no way that I would ever consider a defunding of our police departments. Um, just, you know, they're too vital to the safety of our communities. And just look at what's happening across the country. How could you say we don't need officers? I mean, that just, that's not common sense, put it that way. 
I'm speaking with congressional candidate Sue Kiley. You you also you talked a lot at the top of your video about immigration policies. Tell me tell me about your your position on immigration and how you contrast that with Frank Pillow. Okay. I well, first of all, the fact that the borders aren't closed and continue not to be closed pretty much tells you Frank Pallone's position. But I feel I, we are a family of immigrants. You know, the whole country is immigrants from one point or another. And we let a million people in through the legal process every single year, more than any other country in the world. What I'm objecting to is, you know, our resources are stretched so thin right now. We've got a huge pandemic to deal with. We've got um, mental health issues because of the pandemic. We've got addiction that's off the rails. And we hear time and time again about people coming across the border with enough fentanyl to kill the state of New York. You know, uh, none of, nobody's being vetted. Nobody's being tested. And then they're being put on planes and flown all over the country. I mean, this is just not good for our country. And, and I really I think we've got to do something about it. and We've got to do it pretty soon. And, and Commissioner, I mean Joe Biden. I mean this is a this is a midterm election historically. And you know, if you listen to my show, you you know that I, I I put a lot of emphasis on history. Historically, the the party of the president of the United States loses congressional seats in the midterm election. Is is Joe Biden the eight hundred pound gorilla in in your race against Frank Pallone? Oh, I think so. I, the other thing that's significant, though, is I don't think people understand how powerful Frank Pallone is um, in in Washington, you know, with Energy and Commission. But you're absolutely right. The people that that watch TV or that make decisions on who they're going to vote for, Joe Biden is really driving the downfall. Do you agree with Frank Pallone's plan on prescription drugs, saying that the government should negotiate prices directly with drug companies? I, you know, I, I think more and more we are giving far too much power to the, to the um, national government. I think there's a lot that can be done at the state based on the companies that are local to the state, the circumstances of the state, and I think that's where it belongs. And I, and I want to go back to, to, to your district, the new district, uh, after it was uh, redrawn. Uh, sure. Phil Murphy, in his recent race against Jack Chiarelli, won 53 percent of the vote. Uh, in the new sixth district, do you that that that's I mean, simply put, that's that's a majority. Do you uh, do you think Phil Murphy is going to be a factor in your campaign? Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think Phil Murphy is under the same uh, opinion as far as the way our country is going as Frank Pallone is. And I'm on the other side of that. I guess the big question is how many people will agree with me because we're all getting pretty tired of it. And how is your, your, your fundraising going? I know you just started. You don't have to show your hand until uh, <laughs> until April, but, but this is going to take a lot of money to run this race. How's it going? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I got to tell you, in the five days since we announced, if that's any indication of how we're going to do, we're going to be just fine. Do you, do you want to give me a number or you? No. Okay. <laughs> I have to try, right? I have. To, I have. I, to. I didn't. I expected you to try. I, no, we're doing very well. We're getting a great reception from from actually people across the United States. Because remember, I had a national um, job before I left to do public service. So I'm hearing from people I haven't heard from before, and everybody's contributing. So that's and, a great thing. And I and I should point out, you you uh, you have one of the best political strategists in the state, Art Gallagher, with you, and and that's. That's important, but this is this. You've got a primary. You've got you've got three other candidates looking for this nomination. 
are you are times running out but but I assume you're not taking that for granted no absolutely not absolutely not you know I mean everybody does this because they want to contribute to the health of our country um, I believe I'm the best candidate but I'm going to work hard to convince everyone of that and I hope Commissioner Sue Kiley you will you will come back soon so thank you for, for joining me today Thank you very much. I would love to come back. And this is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And thank you for listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Seventy-seven WABC.